between humanity and himself to bring us into the eternal fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because we're made for it, man. When we're, again, when we don't have that, we go look for life in other things. We try to fill our lives with other things, secondary things. All right, so he kicked off this plan through a man named who? Who did he kick this plan off with? Way back. What's that? Abraham, yes. Is that Abraham, yes. Uh, originally known as Abram, and God changed his name to Abraham. So, father to father of many. All right, so, and we're looking at this passage, this encounter that Abraham, now, 4,091 years ago. That's pretty wild. How many people do you talk about or think about or know their name, you know, 4,091 years ago? That's, you know, so there's something important about this guy. And what it is, is that God had an encounter with Abraham. God revealed himself, blessed him with his presence in a form that enabled Abraham to comprehend that there is a God who is calling him into relationship. So we're going to look at this. This goes back to 2091 BC, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. This part is not in your bulletin, but here it is. It's a famous phrase. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. God's presence with Abraham. Abram. How did God make himself known? He spoke. spoke. And we don't get many more details than that, but somehow God is communicating to Abraham here. This is what he says. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Hey, this sounds like good news, right? If God shows up to you, talks to you, we hope he says this sort of stuff, right? I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, you know, those enemies who come against you, I will curse. Wow, all right, he's got your back. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All people, all families, all ethnos, all people groups of the world will be blessed through you, Abraham. Big blessings, big promises. Wow. All right, so then Abraham hears this, he receives it, he believes it, and he goes from his land. He follows God. He obeys. He trusts this revelation of God. And then later, we get a little bit more detail about how God is going to bless all people on the earth, that sounds like it might include us, through Abraham. Genesis twenty-two eighteen. this one is in your bulletin. This was about 40 years later, 2054 BC. God said to him, through your offspring... Through one of your offspring, one of your physical descendants, your son or son of sons of sons of sons, distance, distance, uh, descendant, will, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. So God reiterates this promise and he says it's going to come through one of your offspring. And it's because you've obeyed me. You trusted me. You obeyed me. You followed me. You've come into relationship with me. I'm going to work through you. All right. So he's going to work through an offspring. So then, as you go through the Old Testament, one of the fun things to do is to pick up on these little revelations that God gives to different people at different times, mostly through his prophets, telling them more about this offspring, God's plan to restore all people, to bless all people through this offspring. And so I'm going to give you a couple more of these. Uh, in 1000 BC, so 1000 years, fast forward 1000 years, God speaks to David, King David, through the prophet Nathan, and he says this in 2 Samuel 7:12, God's word to David through the prophet Nathan, I will raise up your offspring, David, oh, offspring, uh, to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. Okay, so something about this offspring. It's the same offspring. The story has continued. 
and something about a kingdom. He, this offspring of yours, David, who is an offspring of Abraham, he is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. All right? How did God manifest his presence to David here? He spoke, yeah, through Nathan. Through Nathan. Sent a prophet, sent his dude, messenger, to give him this word. All right, he's speaking. And what do we learn about the offspring here? That offspring of Abraham, what is he now? What do we learn? What do we learn about the offspring here? He's going to be a descendant of David. Yeah, so Abraham, one of the lines goes to David, and this offspring is going to come from David. And what else do we learn about this offspring? He's going to live forever. He's got a kingdom. He's a king. He's going, to be, he's going to have a kingdom that lasts forever. And when you go through the Old Testament, when you hear these words like forever and all people, you know God's talking about his big plan to bless all people through Abraham. He's going to bring it to fruition. All right. So this is one of those messianic passages. All right. So then we get some more details through the prophets, including a sign. This is a cool little sign. So God likes to give signs that point to himself, that point to the activities of God. And in 735 B.C., so about 270 years later, God gave a word about a sign that he would give people uh, to the prophet Isaiah. All right, Isaiah 714. Here we go. The Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means with us is God. All right, God with us. All right, so that's going to be a sign and it's going to stand out to you. Why? Why is that weird? Why is that going to be a sign? And Anybody? Okay, thanks. Yes, yes. Jeff's going to go there. Yes, a virgin is going to have a child. That's unusual. That's extraordinary. That is a sign. And when you see that sign, you know something's up. And this child that's going to be born is going to be known as Emmanuel, which means God with us. Okay, cool. Another piece of the puzzle. God's, God's giving us little glimpses of what he's going to do. And then it all comes together in Jesus. So these are some of the promises. Now, what is the title of the Christmas series that we're in. King has come. Yeah, today's his presence. That was good, Sharon. But the king has come. That's the series, right? The king has come, past tense. So now as we sit today, we're looking back at the time when the king came. That's where we're going now. Now, um, here we go. Let's go into... Luke 1 for this. So now we're fast-forwarding to about 5 B.C., okay? Roughly, you know, these are estimated dates. They're pretty dang close, but 5 B.C., okay? So about 2,027 years ago, right? My math, check my math. Always check my math. Not a math guy. All right, Luke 1, here we go. This is what happened. God sent the angel Gabriel. Okay, that's a big deal because God does send his messengers to reveal himself to people at different times, usually big event sort of things. And here we get the name of the church. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, kind of a podunk town in Galilee. All right, this is in Israel. To a virgin pledged... Oh, wait, what? I've heard that before. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Okay, so as you're, you're hearing this and you have these echoes of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament in your mind... 
little light bulbs should be going on. Okay, this might be uh, something about the Messiah here. Uh, to a, a descendant of David, the verse things already. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. Sweet, good. You know, angel appears. I've not had that experience, but this sounds pretty good, right? Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Again, that's, that's a I'm present with you phrase from God. This sounds good. All right, now how is God's presence manifested to her? How's God doing this? By an angel, all right, verbally. She can hear it. She can see it. She's interacting with this messenger from God. Okay, skipping ahead to verse 31. This is what the angel Gabriel says to her. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, which means the Lord saves. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. All right, whoa, that's, what's he saying there? Son of the Most High. Son of God. Yeah, so this is, this is something big and special here. The Lord God will give him, this son, this child of yours, the throne of his father, David. Now, David's been in the grave for a thousand years before this point. All right? So we're tied again to these promises. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This sounds ding, 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 messianic big stuff about to happen here, all right? So Mary has a question. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And we're thinking what? We're thinking Isaiah, right? The sign. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The presence of God will come on you. This powerful presence of God will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. There's some mystery there, but God's going to do this. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. All right. The virgin will be with child. This is how God is going to bring his presence into the world to draw you and me back into his presence, people from all different nations and tribes and tongues that we represent here today. All right, so nine months later, after this announcement to Mary, there was a census taken of the Roman Empire, and people had to go to their hometowns to register. All right, so we pick it up at Luke 2. So Joseph, Mary's betrothed, she's engaged to this guy. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Why is that so important? Why is that repeatedly emphasized? Because of the promise to David. Yeah, going back to the promise of David. One from your, a son of yours, a descendant of yours, an offspring of yours will sit on the throne forever. All right, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. All right, this is, she's big. All right, while they were there, the time had come for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, which is kind of unusual because it's a feeding trough and there wasn't any room at the inn uh, because there was no guest room available for them. All right, so this is, this is the presence of God. Again, this child, this baby, this newborn, the fullness of God in bodily form in Jesus all right, God with us, Emmanuel. Now these promises that God made, these prophecies that God revealed were beginning to be revealed. The promised offspring has come. And we're left wondering, well, how's he going to bless? 
How's this is super cool. And um, yeah, let's, God, God likes to pile it on, though. God does it. I mean, this is all amazing, right? Come on, you're not that jaded. This is, this is big stuff. God coming into this world in the form of a child. And God likes to pile it on. So he's going to shine his presence even more strongly. Um, and, you know, after this scene, we get uh, these angels appearing to the shepherds. That's spectacular. We'll probably circle back to that in one of these Sundays. But we're going to go ahead 40 days after Jesus' birth. Okay, 40 days after Jesus' birth, under the Old Covenant. So uh, Jesus was born under the law to Mary. And uh, the requirement of the law was that after 40 days, she would go to the temple and make an offering for her cleansing and to bless this child. All right, so she goes... They go to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is just like five miles from Bethlehem, so they're probably still camped out in Bethlehem, Um, and this is what happens, Luke chapter 2. When the time had come for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, took baby Jesus, 40 days old-ish, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. All right, they go there. Now this is cool, Luke 2, verse 25. Now there's a man in Jerusalem, same time, called Simeon who is righteous and devout. So he's a godly dude. He's, he's faithful to God. He, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. So he's waiting for the promises that God has been making to Israel to send a king who would set things right. So he's waiting for this, and the Holy Spirit was on him. God's presence, right? The presence of God, the powerful presence of God was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, oh, God revealing himself even more, by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, the promised one, this promised offspring, all right? Now, Israel had been waiting a long time, so this is, he is fired up, he's been given this promise by the Holy Spirit, and he's waiting, all right? So moved by the Spirit, so somehow the Spirit is prompting him, stirring him, leading him to go into the temple courts at this time. Now, when the parents, Joseph and Mary, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation." which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, that's most of us here, and the glory of your people, Israel. God's presence breaking out onto the earth, stirring this man who's been waiting for these promises to be fulfilled. He gets to see it. He gets to hold the fullness of God in bodily form and see this salvation that God has promised. Wow, God moving, God moving. All right, let's look at this thing he says again, because he's stirred by the Holy Spirit, and look at what he says. He says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I'm ready to die, I've, you know, your promise has been fulfilled. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for the glory of your people, Israel. Salvation prepared in the sight of whom? All nations. This is a big event that is somehow connected to all ethnos, all people groups around the world, all families of the earth. 
And this should be ringing in our minds that promise way back to Abraham. Through you, all nations will be blessed. Through your offspring, I will bless all nations, all ethnos, all people groups. All right, he's going to be a light of revelation to us. He's going to reveal something to us. God's going to reveal himself to people far and wide, including us 2,000 years later in a different continent. He's going to reveal himself to us through Jesus, through this child. So, this leads us to the question, part three, where is God's presence now? In you, in me, right? Somehow, sorry, in you and me, somehow, right? God's presence is with us. Um, through the Holy Spirit, all right, the Spirit of Christ, how else does God manifest His presence among us? Oh, I better get this. Hey, bud. Hey. How's it going? It's going well. Yeah? What you doing? Oh, nice, nice. Where are you? I'm in my dorm. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm just doing a sermon here. There's Levi, everybody. <laughs> All right. So you're in your dorm. Where are you? Where do you live now? Oh, Waco, Texas. Waco, Texas. All right. So he's in Texas. Well, I better get back to this. Uh, <laughs> but great to see you. Great to experience your presence. I love you, and uh, we'll talk later. All right, I'll see you in two weeks, everyone. Yeah, two yeah. weeks. Woo! All right, bud. Love you, Levi. <laughs> see ya. All right. I don't. I don't. That was. All right. So, where's Levi right now? He's in Texas, man. That's like another world, right? Far away, but he was just present with us, right? Ah, yeah, ah, yeah. Hmm, where is Jesus? How is he present? Jesus is where? Everywhere. Yeah? In us? Where is he seated? In the majesty of, of, the majesty of heaven, right? So somehow Jesus is in this other realm, heaven. This heaven realm. See, at the right hand of the Father. And, and at different times, he manifests. His presence. He shows himself, right? He shows himself through his word, by his spirit, right? He touches us, right? You, a few of you said, God is present with us by the Holy Spirit. Now, tell me about that. Like, how do you know that? Peggy senses him, all right? Peggy has, in that, remember, God's presence. It's God decides at different times when he wants, how he wants, to touch us, to reveal himself to us, to manifest himself to us in a way that, you know, we sense it with our senses, all right? God makes himself real to us at different times, different places. Yeah. Dreams. He speaks to us in our dreams. Man, he has this habit of waking me up about 3 a.m. in the morning. And like he's, he's giving me, maybe it's the only time I'm, I'm listening. You know? <laughs> but he, he'll give me things, and I run down my notepad, and I do things. One thing was pretty cool. He, 
he told me to, he brought this couple to mind in our church. He said, you need to send through the sheriff fund, you'd ask the sheriff fund to send them $1,000. Didn't know why. And so I told the sheriff team this. They prayed about it. They said, yes, let's do this. And it was super cool. I got a text later that week from this person that said, man, God knows me. God sees me because I was out of work this week. And so God used that, you know, to bless somebody, to reveal his presence, to strengthen um, our awareness of his uh, goodness to us. Yeah, other ways. How does God answer his prayers? Like, man, I was praying about that, right? And now I see it. Yeah, and sometimes it's quick. Sometimes it's years later, right? But I think sometimes God reminds us, hey, just so you know, that was me. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, like, like God sent Nathan to David, had a message. Sometimes he uses the body of believers. Yeah, sometimes he uses situations. Yeah, and he decides. You can't conjure it up. I mean, I wish it were more often. I wish it was like all the time, but he does it when he wants, when he decides what we need. Yeah. Okay. You feel something. It is something. Yeah. Yeah. It's sweet, right? All we do is say, thank you, Lord. Yes. Yes. And, you know, if you're, if you're like, you're here and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, we want to pray for you after church. I mean, I, I didn't experience this until I was 23. I was at a gathering like this. And the pastor said, I believe the Lord is calling someone to himself today. And as soon as he said that, I felt something I never felt before. And I realized, like, oh, this is the Holy Spirit. This is what they're talking about in Acts and so forth. So we can pray for that. We can ask for that. Yeah, Becky. Yeah. And when we say, well, oh, God's at work. God's revealing himself. It's amazing, all right? And it started with these promises way back. It came to us in the flesh. The king has come. And he, through his death and sacrifice, opened the way for us to be restored into God's presence. And he wants you to enjoy his presence now and forever. That's what he's come to bring us. That's the greatest gift. So let's go couple passages around this, uh, just so we have some handholds. Let's look at Titus 3. Titus 3. And this was written about the year 62. All right, so uh, after Jesus' death and resurrection, um, Titus 3. Paul's writing to these believers on behalf of some believers. He says, God saved us not because of the righteous things we had done. All right, he didn't bless us with his presence because, hey, we were good and we shined our shoes and we went to church. You know, or we, we started doing the right things. No, God, God saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, because of his great love, because he saw us in our need and had compassion and decided to reach out and save us and draw us close. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. New life, regeneration, a new heart given to us by God. Renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured 
out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is the experience, the common experience of all believers going way back. All right? This is what unites us, the Spirit of God in us. Um, this is the powerful personal presence of God. All right, Acts 13, 52, just another phrase. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So the first fill-in today is Jesus is in heaven. All right, Jesus is in heaven and present on earth among his disciples. Among his disciples. He dwells among us. Where two or more gather in his name, there I am with you. He's with us this morning. Maybe you felt him, maybe not. Even if you haven't felt him, he is with us this morning. Jesus, thank you for blessing us with your presence. Now, there is, there is this other passage that came to mind to me uh, when we were in Europe. We were in Spain for a little while. Here, here's the passage, 2 Timothy 3. But mark this, know this. So he wants us, this is Paul writing to Timothy. This is one of his last letters. He says, there's going to be terrible times in the last days. Uh, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Ooh. I mean, this sounds familiar. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with such people. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. This is a trap for us. And I, I saw this, you go to Europe, and sometimes you'll see these amazing cathedrals. They're stunning, they're astonishing, they're amazing. And they're empty. They're empty vessels. And you think, where is the presence? Where is the power of God? What's left is the shell. Now, I'm sure there's pockets. God's working everywhere, so I'm not, don't, I don't want to overstate that. But it's this visual contrast with this emptiness and this form. And, you know, in Spain, it made me ask the question, well, what are people worshiping? Who, who are the gods of these people if it's not in the cathedral anymore? And I'm not talking about everybody, but and I look around and it's, the God of food, the God of beauty, of aesthetics, of forms, of godliness, forms of religion, but without the power, without the presence of God, which is what we all need and what we're all dead without. You're either alive in Christ or dead in your sins. And God has come in Jesus to make us all alive in him again. So let's, let's focus on him. Um, how do we do this? Uh, how, do we, how do we stay in his presence, right? I uh, think about Levi. I, I love, actually, I, I talked to him last night briefly to set up this little thing. And I hadn't talked to him for a long time. And it was so great to hear his voice. I missed his presence, you know? And that's, that's one of the things we're going to hear today about how do we how do we remain in his presence? Galatians 5.16, we've hit this a few times the last 
few months. I think it's a God thing. He's really wanting to stir and work in us. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You won't fall into those just empty forms. Walk in the Spirit. And that's, that's something we do. That's something that we need to uh, take initiative with and stay in. So how do we, how do we walk in his presence? How do, we, how do we walk in the Spirit? A couple of things come to mind. Number one, remain in obedience. Remain in obedience. When I step out of obedience to God, when I step into sin, it's like I'm offsides. I'm a soccer player, and you know, maybe you've seen this on the World Cup a few times. Spectacular goal, right? Long pass, dropped it in, score, and the flag's up. Offsides. Doesn't count. All right, so brothers and sisters, stay on sides. <laughs> Remain in obedience, right? Remain in his will. When we go, when we're in sin, when we're persisting in that, we are off sides and it's going to be fruitless. All right, football analogy, right? You get a punt return, go back, what, 65 yards, but you stepped out of bounds on the 20-yard line. The whole thing's called back. All right, stay in bounds, brothers and sisters, right? Let's remain in obedience. You find yourself, oh, I am in sin. Get back in obedience. Get back on side. Get back in bounds, all right? That's number one. This is how we walk in the spirit. This is how we set ourselves up to be in his presence ongoing. All right, remain in obedience. Number two, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Keep your face time on all the time. Right? I'm like, okay, I'm, maybe I'll get, like, I'll stick one AirPod. I'll be one of those guys with one AirPod in my, my day, and I'll be walking around and just kind of like trying to keep a conversation open with Jesus. Just being available, just being ready to answer the call when he calls. Right? Like not putting him off, not being like, I'm busy now. Jesus, it's 3 a.m. I need to get some sleep. No, just engaging God when he calls, when he stirs you being present. That's pray without ceasing. Pray is not just talking to God, it's listening to God. It's engaging God. It's being present with him. We were present with Levi briefly there, talking to him. That's all prayer is. It's talking to God, listening to God, being attentive to him. And living that way, not just doing it at night and in the morning, um, but doing it throughout the day, being ready. These are ways that we can walk in his spirit, experience his presence, but we can experience his presence more and be used more by him when we remain in obedience and we pray without ceasing. Why don't we stand and do that now together? Pray. And ask him again to bless us with his presence. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for coming for us, Jesus. Thank you for humbling yourself like that uh, to be embodied like one of us, Lord. Thank you for your loving sacrifice for us to cleanse us, wash us so that we could be filled with the Holy Spirit so you could pour out your presence in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we want more of that, Lord Jesus. Lord, we don't want to fall into empty forms of godliness. We want to be filled with your power, with your presence, Lord more and more, God. So if we've been just wandering in disobedience this week, Lord God, um, help us get back on sides. Help us get back 
in uh, right standing with you, God, um, in that regards, Lord. Help us walk with you. Um, Lord, help us be open to you as we go through our day, especially in times of stress when we maybe tend to like look inward or, um, Lord, help us call out to you. Praise you, God. I just want to open this up, and if, if you want to pray out loud something to the Lord, let's pray to God together. Praise you, Lord. Lord, we ask for a greater sensitivity to your spirit as we go out from here uh, into whatever's next today and into this week, Lord God. In every setting, in every situation, Lord, help us be sensitive to your spirit, Lord God ready to respond, ready to pick up, ready to hear, ready to follow you, Lord God. We want more of you, Lord. Help us to walk more closely with you this week, Lord. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. All right, thank you that you have more for us, God. Uh, you, you want to bless us with more. Um, and Lord, help us uh, not miss it. Help us... Uh, step closer to you, Lord. Uh, not neglect uh, to meet together. Thank you for gathering us together this morning, Lord. For some, it's a battle to get here. Thank you for helping us be here together in your presence, Lord. I pray for this week, Lord, that you would help us to um, be responsive to you, Jesus. Slow, slow to, um, no, quick, quick to respond to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord.